Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily show where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Today is Monday, March 8th, and today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order of the best-tasting protein bars out there. Today on the podcast, there's a lot to get to as we look back at Friday's eventful game against the Washington Capitals, as well as Sunday's game against the New Jersey Devils. Before we get into all that, let me remind you, the podcast is available wherever you get podcasts, so please do hit that subscribe button, whatever app you use. Each new episode will be added to your feed for you to download, listen, and enjoy. If you could also rate and review that would be very much appreciated. If you're on Twitter, you can go to at LO Boston Bruins to follow the show or Locked On Bruins on Instagram. You can find me on both platforms at Ian C. McLaren for some hockey tweets and dad jokes and uh, the like. You're probably going to see some family stuff as well, and you can hear some Aaron audio in the background. That's my youngest son watching Ryan's World on YouTube. Uh, sometimes you just got to record when you can, folks, and that's going to happen. So uh, don't adjust your headsets. Just Ryan talking about, uh, what's he talking about? Mixing some stuff up in a big tub right now. Anyways, let's begin by going back to Friday's game against the Washington Capitals. A 5-1 victory for our Boston Bruins. The big talking point afterwards, of course, was the status of defenseman Brandon Carlo. He was battling for a loose puck in the corner to the right of Yaroslav Halak in the closing minutes of the first period when Washington winger Tom Wilson skated in from the slot, landed a high, heavy hit on Carlo, forcing the blue liner's head into the glass. Carlo dropped to the ice, uh, was subsequently cross-checked by Jacob Vrana of the Washington Capitals. He was tended to by training staff and was helped off the ice uh, under his own power. He didn't have to be stretchered off, but you could tell that he was certainly laboring. Uh, after the game, it was revealed that Carlo had been transported to the hospital uh, via ambulance. Bruce Cassidy said he hit him clearly in the head, a defenseless player, predatory hit, from a player that's done that before. I don't understand why there wasn't a penalty called on the ice. They huddled up, but I did not get an explanation why it's out of our hands after that. We've just got to play hockey and try to stick together as a team and play the right way. Sometimes when that happens and there's no call, the players settle it on the ice in their own way, and we felt like we pushed back and did what we could do. Now, there were some tweets during the game, calling for the Bruins to do some headhunting, to, uh, you know, respond to violence with violence. My stance on that is it's always best to beat the team where it matters most, and that's on the scoreboard. And uh, the tone was set early by Bruins captain Patrice Bergeron, who skated over to Wilson at the beginning of the second period, delivered what appeared to be a clear message that the Bruins did not appreciate what was a dirty hit. And, uh, you know, Bergeron politely declined to reveal what was said, but 
newcomer Jared Tenorti endeared himself to his teammates and Bruins fans by taking matters into his own hands early in the second period, dropping the gloves with Wilson. It was a pretty even fight, but it was a strong signal that, you know, the veteran blue liner has come to understand the bond that exists in the Bruins dressing room. And he said, what I noticed about this team as soon as I got here is that the boys are playing for each other night in and night out and how close this group is. Not surprised to see the boys respond in a big way after one of your guys goes down like that. You can't take liberties with our guys. That's what I've always played, and that's the way a lot of players on the team play. Our guy goes down, and we responded in a big way. Right after uh, that fight, uh, Brad Marchand later called it a turning point in the game. The Bruins scored 31 seconds later by Trent Frederick tapping in his third of the season to give the Bruins a 2-0 lead. Uh, Marchand had already scored his 11th goal earlier in the game in the first period. Frederick added his third. After that fight, Patrice Bergeron scored less than three minutes after that. Marchand added his 12th of the goal later in the second period to give the Bruins a 4-0 lead. Then Nick Ritchie added his eighth uh, to make it 5-0. Jacob Vrana did score later in the third to uh, ruin Halak's shutout. But the Bruins uh, responded the way that I had hoped that they would by, you know, fine, drop the gloves to Nordy Wilson, but then hit them where it counts, and that's on the scoreboard. The Bruins needed the win, and it was one of their more complete efforts of the season for sure, and it was really great to see how they responded. Uh, Wilson was asked to fight once again by Trent Frederick later in the third period. Uh, it was the second time the two have fought, and uh, it was nice to see that youngster stepping up as well and, you know, challenging Wilson, showing that he's not afraid of really anybody in the NHL, and to have a young player like that stand up for his teammates. Uh, Brandon Carlo, obviously a very popular Bruin. He was so proud to have won that A earlier when David Krejci was injured. And um, yeah, it was terrible to see him go out, but nice to see the Bruins respond well, uh, appropriately, and more importantly, come out with uh, the victory. I really loved the tone that was set by Bergeron. I talked last week about how the Bruins, after those two lopsided losses to the Islanders and Rangers, he came out and hit Ryan Lindgren early in the game Sunday against the Rangers that the Bruins won. And he came out again, confronted Wilson, said the Bruins weren't going to put up with that. And Cassidy said he makes sure that he sets the bar. People follow him. They trust him. He leads by example. He's become more vocal over the years, but it's usually on the ice with his work ethic says the right things, and people fall into place behind him, and that's what happened tonight. Uh, Marchand added, you hate to see a guy go down. Brando's a huge part of this team, and he's a great player. Most importantly, you're concerned about his health. He was put in a bad spot, but the response was great. Guys went out and did their job. It didn't need to be said. They just took control and answered the bell. As a team, the Bruins played the right way after the hit. They didn't let it distract them or get them down. They were thinking about Carlo all game, but they did the job and took care of business on the ice. And again, uh, I was 
very happy to see that um, that the Bruins went about it the right way. They dropped the gloves a couple times. That's fine. That's going to happen. But they didn't respond with cheap shots or dirty play of their own. They just took care of business on the ice and got the W for Carlo, which I'm sure was nice for him to see when uh, he was uh, able to, to check in on things. As for the aftermath, Carlo, like I said, he was taken to hospital. He was released on Saturday. He's considered week-to-week by the Bruins with, you know, quote-unquote an upper body injury, but we can all infer what that means. Uh, Cassidy said he texted Brandon on Saturday. Obviously going to be out for a while, but he is feeling better. As for Wilson, he's going to be out for seven games, suspended by the NHL for boarding And here's part of the explanation that they gave. While there are aspects of this hit that may skirt the line between suspendable and not suspendable, it is the totality of the circumstances that cause the play to merit supplemental discipline. Now, there are a lot of people, side note, on Twitter on Saturday saying the head wasn't the initial point of contact, so it's not a hit to the head. Uh, It's not boarding because it wasn't from behind, but... You have to differentiate between the initial point of contact and the main point of contact. Certainly, if you look at the play, Carlos' head took the brunt of the hit, and that's why he was removed from the game. That's why he had to go to the hospital, and that merits supplemental discipline. It's, it's just objectively true. The Department of Player Safety said, What separates this hit from others is the direct and significant contact to a defenseless player's face and head causing a violent impact with the glass. This is a player with a substantial disciplinary record in Tom Wilson, taking advantage of an opponent who is in a defenseless position and doing so with significant force. Wilson, of course, no stranger to the Department of Player Safety. He was suspended most recently for 20 regular season games for an illegal check to the head of Blues forward Oscar Sundqvist in a preseason game back in 2018. That was reduced to 14 games by an arbitrator, uh, and he missed the first 16 games of the season. He will be eligible to return on March 20th. The Bruins and Capitals next play on April 8th, so he will be back. And again, I had said on Twitter that I was expecting to be disappointed by the NHL. Uh, I was happily proven wrong. Seven games in a 56-game season amounts to about 12%. So that would be a 10-game suspension in an 82-game season. Well warranted and uh, good riddance, to be honest. I hope that, most importantly, Brandon Carlo is okay and that he's able to return to the Bruins lineup uh, sometime in the near future. But again, he's considered week-to-week. You can never tell with brain injuries uh, what the timeline will be and... Just uh, prayers up to Brandon Carlo. Hope he's feeling better soon. And again, good on the Bruins for responding appropriately in that game and for earning a very decisive victory over the Washington Capitals. So coming off this emotional win over the Capitals on Friday, you think the Bruins starting to figure things out. They are galvanized, ready to go. Should be no problem to take care of the New Jersey Devils on Sunday. Then lo and behold, uh, Scott Wedgwood stops all 40 shots and the Devils shut out the Bruins 1-0 on home ice, scoring with 4.37 remaining in regulation time. The Bruins have now lost three of four games to the Devils this season, including two at home. 
obviously, home ice advantage doesn't mean what it used to in the COVID era, but uh, still, yeah, wildly disappointing for the Bruins to pull off that big win over the Capitals on Friday and then come out with a bit of a turd of a game here on Sunday, failing to score against a New Jersey Devils team that had lost, I think, eight of their previous nine games. Bruce Cassidy said they had enough looks around the net to generate a couple of goals. A lot of pucks hit Wedgwood. He made some big saves, obviously, especially in the third, especially when the Bruins were pressing kind of with the man, uh, extra man. Uh, he did... He did say they did a better job attacking with their forward group against their D as the game went on. They just didn't finish anything, and you're not going to win if you don't put some goals on the board, which is, you know, the understatement of uh, all time. The Bruins did dominate when it comes to shot attempts. They had 46 compared to 39 uh, at 5-on-5. Shots, 27-21 at 5-on-5. Scoring chances, however, were in the Devils' favor. 19-16, high danger chances, 9-4. So the Bruins, while they generated a bunch of pucks on net, they weren't really quality opportunities. And they kind of made it easy for Wedgwood to come out with uh, the shutout. Now, over the final two minutes, that's where things got a bit more interesting. The Bruins had quite a few shots on net with the extra attacker out but they were unable to bury one past Wedgwood, who was making his first start since January 30th, if you can believe it. Uh, The Bruins now just have five goals in four games against the Devils, not including the shootout winner in the opener, the season opener. I should mention, as Tukarask was skating off for the extra attacker to come on the ice, he seemed to be favoring his lower back a little bit. So we'll see if there's any, uh, yeah, injury news to offer here on Monday as they gather for practice before heading off to Long Island where they have had zero success uh, this season as well. Again, the Bruins just unable to carry over the momentum and emotion from Friday's big win over the Capitals. They've now gone nearly a month without consecutive victories. They're 3-5-1 and one over their last nine games. Uh, and again, haven't won two in a row since February 10th and 12th against the New York Rangers, a Rangers team that they will play uh, later this week. Uh, Charlie Coyle said, It's our job to come ready to play and bring our energy for this one, especially against a team who's not up there in the standings. They've had our number this year. There have been a few games against them where, for some reason or another, we're not ready from the start. We have to be. We have to play like something big is on the line, and that's the case. It's two points up for grabs each night. And not to go into panic mode here, but the Bruins, if you look at the East Division standings this morning, they're only two points up on Philadelphia for the fourth and final playoff spot in the East Division. The New York Islanders, they lead with 34 points. The Capitals at 32 points. The Bruins and Penguins now tied at 29 points. And then the Flyers are sitting at 27. Rangers, Devils... And Sabres, well further behind, Rangers at 23 points, Devils 18, uh, the Sabres 15. If you look at point percentage, the Bruins are uh, third right now as well, 659 behind the Capitals and Islanders. So 
one of these teams is going to miss the playoffs. One of the Islanders, Capitals, Bruins, Penguins, and Flyers will miss the playoffs. And yeah, if the Bruins continue to drop points to the division's lesser thans, then they could be in serious trouble down the line. They do have eight games remaining against the Sabres, which should help. Uh, but they really do need to take care of business when it comes to teams that are well below them in the standings. The Devils have a minus 15 goal differential. Sabres at minus 23. There's no reason why the Bruins should be losing to these teams, much less shut out by them as well. Now, I should mention that uh, it wasn't all bad for the Bruins. There were some players who did show up. Uh, David Pasternak, he had 10 shots on goal. Uh, Patrice Bergeron with 5. Uh, Charlie McAvoy with 3 from the blue line to lead things. Tuka Rask, pretty strong on the other end with uh, 24 saves on 25 shots for a 960 save percentage. His overall number now up to 906. Uh, and it's been steadily rising over the last few games. He has played uh, very well over the last few games. 952 save percentage against the Rangers, 964 against the Capitals, 960 in this one against the Devils. Uh, so he's showing up. Uh, the defense is playing well despite all the injuries at the moment, uh, but the offense is really a concern, really needs to start picking up. Um, and that begins with, you know, the second line on down. You have. Four players who have been scoring pretty consistently in the top line, as well as Nick Ritchie of all players. And then from there, there's a, a pretty big gap in terms of goal scoring. Charlie Coyle at five, Craig Smith only with four, uh, Trent Frederick with three, Jake DeBrusque one, Anders Bjork one, Jack Stadnicka one, David Krejci has yet to score. Um, Andre Kasha obviously has not scored this season, but he's only appeared in two games, really missing that's depth on the right side and all that leads me to once again advocate for the calling up of Zach Sinitian who he's tied for the Providence team lead in goal scoring he has that speed to beat defenders off the rush on the right side and has shown a much more complete game this season down in the HL certainly warrants a look in my books and we'll see if they make any roster or uh, lineup moves here ahead of another stretch of games against New York teams. They'll head to Long Island today to face the Islanders tomorrow night and then back home for a pair against the Rangers. Um, and, you know, if they don't win two of three of these games, then uh, that could be uh, problematic when you look at how the standings are shaping up. They do have another couple games against the Devils later this season few against the Sabres, so that will be an opportunity to pick up some points. And again, they can't keep leaving points on the table to the division's bottom two teams. Now here on Locked on Boston Bruins, we've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all of them. Now's the time to find out which Built Bar is the best because it's Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is Apple Almond Crisp taking on Churro Puff. Churro Puff is a brand new bar that will be released later this month. Luscious chocolate with soft marshmallow 
made with premium collagen protein blend. If you love Puff Bars, you're going to love this flavor. Go to BuiltBar.com or to Built underscore Bar on Twitter to vote today. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order. That's LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. They provide real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine from the world of sports as well as reality TV. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. Also free to sign up. Just head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up for a free account today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I should mention as well, the Bruins hosted their Hockey is for Everyone night at TD Garden on Sunday during their home game against the New Jersey Devils. Hockey is for Everyone is an NHL initiative in partnership with You Can Play that uses the game of hockey and the league's global influence to drive positive social change and foster more inclusive communities regardless of race, color, religion, national origin, gender, disability, sexual orientation, and socioeconomic status. The Bruins came out for the pregame skate with some pride tape on their sticks for the warm-up, which was really cool to see. And there were also some other initiatives going on throughout the game. I don't think we're quite there yet to declare hockey is indeed for everyone, but it's nice to see the Bruins participating uh, in this and uh, the 50-50 raffle, for example, was supporting the Boston Pride LGBTQ plus hockey team. Boston Pride Hockey was founded in 1989 as New England's first LGBTQ plus hockey club. And over the following 32 years, they've developed an inclusive community that provides a safe and welcoming environment for people to learn, enjoy, and compete in the sport they love. BPH has won four gold medals at the Gay Games in Amsterdam, Sydney, Chicago, and Paris. Uh, And it's cool to see the Bruins offering their support uh, to that team. The PWHPA also ended its second leg of the Secret Dream Gap Tour in Chicago on Sunday. Today is International Women's Day, so another reminder to support women's hockey as much as possible because it is very entertaining. Now, uh, some news and notes from around the NHL. The Tom Wilson suspension was probably the biggest news over the weekend. It was reported that he will not appeal that decision, so he will miss the full seven games. Uh, Scott McLaughlin, who was on the podcast on Friday, he put a piece up this morning suggesting the loss of Brandon Carlo may affect what the Bruins do on the trade market. Right now, Pretty thin on defense uh, with Kevin Miller, Jeremy Lozon, and Brandon Carlo out. They all started in the, the top six. And um, now you have Euro Vakanainen, Jared Tenorti filling in, as well as Connor Clifton. So do the Bruins now look for a top four defenseman over added scoring? Uh, who knows? But like we said on Friday, there is room to add both. And... Uh, there's a very real possibility that they could look to the Sabres uh, for help. There's the big fish like Eichel and Hall, but there are also some 
tantalizing options like Sam Reinhart, who has nine goals in 21 games. That'd be 35 in a full year. Uh, very highly touted prospect when he came into the NHL, and he is an RFA, which could um, you know give the Bruins some measure of control. A right-hand shot, like I said, who could really step in on the second line there and add some scoring that this Bruins team desperately needs. He's at 5.2 million AAV right now. Could be in line for a raise, but, you know, he deserves it the way he's playing right now. The comparable that John Vogel of The Athletic made was J.G. Pajot last year. The Senators uh, acquired a first, second, and conditional third-round pick for Pajot from the Islanders last year. Reinhardt, though, has a stronger resume and younger suitors would pay a premium because they're getting him for more than just one playoff run. So he could be pretty expensive. Uh, but, um, yeah, very tantalizing option there as well. Brandon Montour, his stock has kind of, kind of plummeted. Uh, the uh, Sabres gave up a first-round pick and a prospect, Brendan Gould, for Montour just two deadlines ago. But you can never have too many defensemen. He is only 26 and can move the puck and play in his own zone with some efficacy. Uh, Colin Miller, our old friend, he could be available as well. He's under contract for one more season before becoming UFA. Doesn't look like a long-term keeper, so he could be picked up and, you know, exposed on the expansion draft uh, like he was previously and picked up by the Vegas Golden Knights. And, of course, there's Eric Stahl, who the Bruins, I believe, have been... Uh, keen on adding for quite some time now back when he was with the Minnesota Wild and you know you know he's a veteran center uh, he's hungry to win once again before hanging it up not too distant future and I think he'd be a good veteran ad for this Bruins team anyways just something to consider the Buffalo Sabres look to be a team that will be selling sooner than later and uh, the Bruins could well pick up some pretty valuable pieces for a playoff run, if not for uh, the future. Uh, but we, of course, will talk about that more and more as the trade deadline looms. I believe it's five weeks from today, and uh, hopefully there will be some movement around the NHL just to give us something else to talk about. I believe that's it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for taking some time to listen. I hope you all had a great weekend and uh, that your Monday is off to a good start. TV-wise, I should mention we finished Yellowstone over the weekend, a very explosive end to Season 3, and I'm very much looking forward to watching uh, what is to come, as well as the prequel, which will cover how the Dutton family came to own that land. Uh, now we started watching Murder Among the Mormons, a new uh, Netflix true crime doc, um, yeah, what else? Hoping to start Beartown soon as well, but also working through the books on which the Last Kingdom series is based. Uh, I'm on number three of that series. Very good books if you're a fan of historical fiction. Uh, they're called The Saxon Stories by Bernard Cornwell. I'm on Lands of the North at the moment, number three in the series, and I think there's like 13 of them. Anyways, yeah, thanks again so much for listening. Please do hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And we'll be back tomorrow to preview uh, another game against the New York Islanders, hopefully with a different result. Have a great Monday, friends. And uh, thanks so much again for your support. Please do take care of yourselves and each other.